Hey everyone, today's show is part one of a two-part series where I'm discussing root causes to employee relations issues and internal investigations. And one of the biggest root causes are managers who haven't had training on how to actually manage employees in the current complex contemporary environment in the US. This is a must-listen episode for those of you who are continually dealing with a lot of employee complaints because of managers. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey everyone, in today's show, I'm going to focus on an issue that many organizations are facing, particularly smaller to medium-sized organizations, and that's a lack of effective management training, and specifically a lack of management training on what I call the do's and the don'ts. Now, out in the HR community, I'm known for saying the best investigation is the one you don't have to do. And the reason that I say that phrase over and over again is because there's so much truth to it. Listen, HR and internal investigations are very much a reactionary process, aren't they? They're a reactionary process to an internal problem, such as an employee lodging a complaint of harassment or discrimination against their supervisor. So the best course of action is obviously to not have the internal problem in the first place. So why is there a lack of management training, and especially on the do's and the don'ts? Well, this is a subject that I'm very passionate about because I started my career in operations management in the travel industry long time ago. I used to uh, work for a number of years at the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport. I worked in the car rental business and uh, I supervised employees uh, who were in various collective bargaining units um, with uh, the Teamsters Labor Union. Now, back then, one of the first things that my boss did when I got promoted into a leadership role was make sure I was enrolled in the management development program that the company offered. I attended uh, sessions that were every few weeks, a few hours at a time, and they were delivered by a very competent trainer and someone who uh, had really understood our industry and really had a great reputation. And she really had a lot of street cred, let me tell you. And she was wonderful coming in and working with uh, the management group and that we were a pretty rough and tumble group. Uh, Operations managers can be sometimes a little prickly uh, when they are not out moving around in the operation and kind of getting things done, having them sit stationary in a meeting sometimes, um, you know, it's kind of trying to keep a squirrel (laughs) having to, you know, go somewhere. You know, ops managers are are used to really moving pretty swiftly day to day. And uh, so she had actually worked for many years in an operations role before having become uh, a trainer. Back at that time, We didn't have in the U.S. the laws like the Family and Medical Leave Act, or some of them were complex state laws, but we certainly did have in place the Civil Rights Act, uh, Title VII, and the ADA, uh, other equal employment opportunity laws, and we certainly had the National Labor Relations Act to comply with, and uh, we were quite familiar with that because of being a union shop. Why is it that there is this lack of management training, and especially on the do's and don'ts? My vantage point as a consultant is what I call a driving results operations management view, coupled also with a managing risk HR consultant view. In other words, my background early on in my career, uh, I was really managing a very culturally diverse employee population, uh, serving the general public in a very fast-paced travel industry and in a 24-7 operation in a union shop. I'll tell you, it required that I come up a learning curve pretty quickly as a leader. 
Now, thankfully, I had some great mentors who helped me. And one mentor I had, Larry, was a fantastic labor attorney that I worked with and who really taught me a great deal about legal do's and don'ts, and especially with the unionized workforce. And at the time, I supervised a staff that was almost 100% male and very diverse uh, with employees who were very many different races and national origins. And even the management team I worked with was 80% male. So how does this tie in with the lack of management training today? Well, what I see out here as a consultant and a PI are HR investigations that often have root causes of just bad management, just plain old bad management. So what does bad management look like? Well, in one of the previous episodes on my podcast here, I had attorney Ann Kierden of Kierden Law in New Brunswick, New Jersey on, and Ann talked about the negative employer impacts from bad management. And she discussed one case involving sexual harassment and retaliation, and in that case, it cost an employer a quarter of a million dollars. That's a lot of bucks. Well, not every case is going to be one of these six or seven figure cases, but when you tally up the negative effects from an untrained or poorly trained management team, here are some of the things that really do show up in the business. Well, employee turnover. Look, the old saying is people don't leave companies, they leave their managers. That's really true. Ask any of your friends in your network if they've left a previous employer. And what is the answer usually? They really had a problem with their, their leadership, their managers, or in some cases, even upper level leadership. So another negative impact of the poor training is unscheduled absenteeism and high usage of intermittent FMLA. That causes a lot of negative impacts, uh, particularly in service delivery environments. It increases your labor costs because then you have to pay overtime to fill holes in work schedules. Also, when you have this increase in employee complaints, things like favoritism and bullying, harassment, hostile work environment, discrimination, as I said earlier, these complaints are a result of behaviors going on in the organization that shouldn't be happening. Or you have employees who are lodging these complaints by just using the buzzwords, and they're making a really a bad faith complaint. In other words, they're kind of making it up to weaponize the investigative process, in many cases, to try to get even with a manager that they don't like or a manager that is really holding them accountable. Regardless, without management training and good management training on the how-to skills the managers need and the do's and don'ts, right? The organization is inviting a whole lot of unnecessary risk. So why aren't more organizations doing this type of management training? Well, from my experience, it's a few things. Number one, senior executives and business owners, they often say, oh, we, we don't need any management training. That's code phrase for, we really don't think it's worth the investment, aka cost here. Investing in something like management training is it's really very different. Um, you know, it's it's really designed to educate leaders on how to better supervise employees. In other words, it provides professional development in the form of increased knowledge and day-to-day -day leadership skills and teaching them about proper interactions with employees. However, the problem for a lot of executives who hold the purse strings is that they can't sort of touch and feel what their investment in training has bought them. You know, if you take 35 grand and you buy a new company truck, of course, the executives could actually see and literally touch what 35K bought them. Training's a little more intangible, isn't it? However, you know, if you were to ask an executive or business owner why they'll make an investment in safety training, of course, they get why they need to make that investment because they often have experience of knowing the correlation between an unsafe work environment and runaway costs, such as lost work days, higher injury rates and expense, higher workers' comp premiums, and so on. So the safety training, they sort of get the investment. However, convincing them of the need for investing in management training is sort of like trying to convince someone who rides a Harley motorcycle why riding with a helmet and protective gear is good risk management in case of an accident. 
they're generally willing to take the risk of laying their bike down. Or, you know, a funny thing happens after a motorcycle rider has had an accident where they had pretty bad spill. Dear friend of ours was uh, riding a Harley in Phoenix a number of years ago uh, without a helmet and protective gear. He had a really, really bad wreck. What do you think he did after the accident? Well, funny, started wearing the helmet and the protective gear. Okay, in other words, you felt with that not having good risk management in place, you literally felt it, right? And it changed behavior. So to give some perspective on this risk management example, let me share some wisdom from a CEO named John. Um, and his organization has been a client of mine for a number of years. And uh, he runs a uh, pressure pumping business out in West Texas. Now, John uh, hired my company to go handle uh, some management training for his operations team. And uh, these are uh, folks that work on fracking sites, hydraulic fracturing. So these are all men um, who work in an outdoor environment. They work 12-hour hitches. And uh, so, of course, this is a very kind of austere kind of environment they often work in and outdoors and all the elements. So uh, we scheduled the management training. And as these guys made their way into the training room, there was a lot of grumbling. You could tell they weren't real happy about having to go to this training thing. Okay, so they're carrying the hard hats. They have on worn jeans, low-coat company shirts, scuffed steel-toed boots. And uh, obviously, they were... Uh, you know, showing that they're field kind of folks. All right. So then uh, John kicked off the training by acknowledging their grumbling. And uh, he talked about why it was that I happened to travel uh, from Central Florida out to West Texas to deliver this training. He began by uh, acknowledging some of the senior employees of whom he'd worked with for many, many years. And he said to the group, so how long have some of you known me? And they were like, well, 30 years and one 25 years. He said, yeah, I've worked in the oil patch for about 30 years. And uh, he said, so those of you who were with me, I want to ask you something. What kind of PPE, personal protective equipment, were we wearing back then? And they laughed. They're like, oh, nothing. Yeah, no hard hats, no safety glasses. And uh, then he asked the group, he said, but what do we do now, present day? Well, they agreed. They all wear PPE. And then John said, well, why? And they said, well, injuries, you know, and shouting out from the audience, lost work time, cost, oh, people can lose their life. And he said, yes, we do now because we know better, don't we? He said, we've learned our lessons about risk and that we've had to change the way we do things, haven't we? He said, we've learned that we have to adapt to different technology because it's safer. We've had to change our PPE to make it safer. And overall, we've done a much better job of risk management. He said, and that is exactly why I brought Ms. Ivy to help all of us understand how things have changed regarding managing employees and why we need to upgrade our knowledge and our skills with our management team. So we're keeping pace with how things are changing. What he said to the group was, look, she's going to help us get better at how we supervise our employees and she's going to help us understand how to do much better risk management and how we supervise our employees. He said, so I expect you all to be respectful, to pay attention, to take notes, to listen, ask questions, and I expect that you will apply what you have learned in this training immediately in your jobs. So we are immediately implementing better risk management strategies and how we supervise our people and run our business. Now, after the CEO made that statement, it was incredible. If you could just have seen the looks on their faces, the change in the energy in that room, the change in the body language, you know, the crossed arms and the crossed feet and started to relax a little bit. And, you know, this management team knew he was serious. And they got the message that this was a priority for the CEO and why it was a priority. So the analogy here is that a lot of senior executives are like motorcycle riders who are big risk takers. However, when the proverbial accident happens to an employer, such as an EEOC charge that 
must get settled an expensive lawsuit or maybe uh, two of their top employees just quit because they work for a really bad manager and they've lost them. And now there's a big talent gap. Well, suddenly they look to HR to do something. All right. That's the equivalent of laying a bike down in an accident without a helmet, right? The injuries will be much greater, but there will also be a feeling of, oh, I should have worn the helmet and I should add my jacket on, should add my gloves on, right? So executives typically have a revelation after experiencing these kinds of painful situations. And you want to know what attorneys always suggest in cases when employers have had to settle an EEOC charge or a lawsuit? And just like Ann said in previous podcast, who's the attorney? Train your managers. And then there it is. Suddenly now the executives are looking to HR and saying, OMG, well, we need to get some training implemented. Well, better late than never. But the point here is that in today's very complex environment, now more than ever before, do we need to train our supervisors. And my goodness, since the pandemic, I've also seen a lot of what I call panic promotions because of turnover. Uh, employees are being moved up into management from individual contributor roles, and they haven't had any proper development. They don't understand the framework of the laws that they have to comply with, and that creates a lot of unnecessary risk to the business. So in implementing good management training, employers can really eliminate some of those negative impacts I talked about earlier, like excessive turnover, employees calling sick all, calling in sick all the time, and creating unscheduled absenteeism that causes you know the higher labor costs and impacts to service delivery. However, a good management program that also effectively teaches the do's and don'ts and is delivered at the right time at the right leadership level will also greatly minimize the organizational risk of regulatory inquiries like the EEOC charges or Department of Labor investigations, and then, of course, the expensive lawsuits, like what my guest, Ann Kiernan, uh, the attorney, had said. Here's the thing. If you are really finding, since you have listened to this podcast, that you are kind of vertical head nod and you're acknowledging a lot of the things I'm talking about, well, then certainly just start thinking about what this is going to look like for your organization and start thinking about the number of employees that you need to train, management team here. Um, where are they? What are the locations? And think about what this is going to look like for your business and start working on a strategic plan. At the time of the recording of this podcast, this is the end of 2023, so it's the perfect time. We're working on strategic planning for the upcoming calendar year, so now is the time. So if you're looking for some solutions and how to teach the do's and don'ts, you know where to find me. Uh, you can reach out to me at natalie at rpchr.com, or you can just go to the contact page at rpchr.com or my other site, which is hr-investigations.com. Now, in uh, the next episode, I'm going to be part two in this series on how to really prevent HR investigations and teaching managers, right? Training them on the do's and the don'ts. And so in part two, we're going to talk more about what good management training looks like, some methods of delivery, key content that needs to be included, and a general idea of some training costs. So you aren't going to want to miss that one. All right. Until next time, see you on the HR Investigations Podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.